Welcome to our class on Chassidus. We're going to be learning this week a beautiful Chassidic discourse from the Rebbe. The Rebbe said this Chassidic discourse on Gimel Tammuz, the third day of the month of Tammuz, in the year Tafshin Chavdalid, which is 57 years ago. That year, Gimel Tammuz was in Shabbos Parshish Koyrach. This week, this year, where it's Parshish Chukas, but the Rebbe said this on Gimel Tammuz. And the name of the Chassidic discourse is called Yehi Hashem Aleikeinu Imanu That Hashem should be with us A verse in the prophets um, And kings Where King Solomon prayed to Hashem That Hashem should be with the Jewish people And the Rebbe went ahead and certified And edited this Chassidic discourse In honor of Gimel Tammuz Which is the beginning of the liberation Of the previous Rebbe from prison For spreading Torah and Chassidus In the year Tavshin Nun exactly 31 years ago. So again, the Chassidic Discourse is based on the verse in the Prophets where it says, King Solomon says, Yehi Hashem Aleikeinu Imanu, that Hashem should be with us, like He was with our forefathers, Al Yazveinu Ve'al Yichenu, He should not forsake us. So the Rebbe brings as a famous Sicha talk from the Bala Geula, the person that was celebrating his liberation, the Frida Rebbe, and he said this talk, famous Chassidic, famous Chassidic talk, it's called a Sicha, he said it on Gimel Tammuz, on the third day of the month of Tammuz, in the year Tuf Reish Pei Zayin, exactly 94 years ago. What did he say? So he said on this verse, and he said, I'll say it in Yiddish, and I will translate it. Mirbetin by Hashem Yisbarich. We plead with Hashem that Yehi Hashem Aleikeinu Imanu. Hashem should be with us. like He was with our forefathers. Al Yisveinu, Al Yicheinu. He should not forsake us. And he translated Hashem Yisbarich Al Zaymetuns. Hashem should be with us. But then he added, and he said, not only should be Un Vet Zaymetos. And he will be with us, like a promise, just like he was with our forefathers. So the Rebbe asked a simple question. We all know that a request and a promise is two different things, and possibly even the opposite. A request is you're asking, it might happen, it might not happen. A promise is saying it's going to happen. But nevertheless, when the Friedrich Rebbe said the Sichon Gimel Tamas and Tafresh Pezayin, what did he say? We're asking by Hashem that Hashem should be with us and He will be with us. No, the request is not only that He should be with us, but He will be with us. It's opposite. What does that mean? Now, even though you can say that Yehi, which is the verse, the word in the verse, it's also an expression of a, of a request, and it's also possibly a, a, an expression of Yehi, a promise. But the fact is, it's two different, two different, two different translations. So you can either say Hashem will be with a requ- you're requesting, we're hoping that He's with us, or you can say it's a promise. But here He combines the two. You know, He's saying Hashem, we're requesting Hashem should be with us, and then we're promising Hashem is going to be with us. In that sicha, the previous Shabbat continues on to say that this that we're saying, that Hashem should be with us, like He was with our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which again, it's a request and a promise that He's going to be with us. So He explains as follows. 
knows even though he says, we're not like our forefathers. We're not Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But nevertheless, we're asking Hashem, and also as the previous scripture says, we're promising that he's going to be with us like the, the, like the forefathers, even though we're not, not, not like them. Now, what's the source of that? I mean, if we're not like the forefathers, and he was, he was with the forefathers because they were the forefathers, holy tzaddik and righteous people, so what does that mean? We should, why should Hashem be with us like he was with them? So he says the source is actually a famous medrash. The medrash says as follows. That um, King Solomon says to Hashem with a parable. If there's a king that hires workers. And they do the job. And they do a beautiful job. And he pays them. So what's the big praising the king? You hired workers. They did a job. They did a nice job. Sure you pay them. So when can you praise the king for paying the workers? When he hires schlock workers. Workers that aren't good. And they're not doing their job. And then, nevertheless, the king pays them. Wow, that's praising the king. Why? Because he hired, he hired people who are not capable of doing the work. They don't do the work. And nevertheless, he pays them. That's a sign of kindness, of something special. A king will do that. It's almost like throwing money in the garbage. So based on what he says, Hashem is saying... Uh, King Solomon saying Hashem should be with us like he was with our forefathers so we're saying what do you mean our forefathers are our forefathers yeah exactly just like he was with our forefathers big deal so he was with them they're righteous people but he should be with us even though we're not in that same level which basically the source is from that medrash now so he explains why can't we compare to our forefathers like why like how are they different than us and he explains because our forefathers, they went on mysterious nefesh. In reality, for what? For learning Torah, doing the mitzvahs, they were willing to go on self-sacrifice. And we're not on that level. We're not willing to go on self-sacrifice like the, like, the, like the patriarchs. So the Rebbe asked a simple question. One second. We have to understand. When did the previous Rebbe say this sicha, that we're not like, we're not like our, our forefathers that went on mysterious nefesh? That was when he traveled to exile to Kastroma. Now, that knows he was going into exile. And this fact that he was going into exile, and before that, that he was in prison, why did he go into exile? Why was he in prison? Because he went on self-sacrifice, literally to learn Torah, to teach Torah, to observe mitzvahs, to, to spread mitzvahs. And not only that, even this talk that he was saying was Messiah's Nefesh. Who gives a Torah thought when you're going to you're going to exile? But nevertheless, so he's in a state of Messiah's Nefesh. He's going to prison for Messiah's Nefesh. But he says, no, 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 we're not like the forefathers. Why not? On the contrary. He possibly he is just like the like, like the forefathers. He's also going to Messiah's Nefesh. So the Rebbe says it's possible you can say, since what was the previous Rebbe saying? What was his request? Hashem should be with us. Now, he was asking us, not only himself. He wasn't saying Hashem should be with me. So if he was saying Hashem should be with me, so you can say, fine, I get it. Why? Because hello, he's like he's like the patriarch. He's going on a serious nefesh. But since he's saying Hashem should be with us, including everybody, for all the Jewish people, even people that just have the label they're Jewish, but not not necessarily practicing. So therefore, he possible since he's talking about everybody and people just basically are just Jewish, but not necessarily learning, doing mitzvahs, praying, etc. So therefore, he said we're not compared to the, our forefathers that went to mysterious nefesh in reality. 
So seemingly you can say that. The Rebbe says no, but it's not, it's, it's not really a, a good answer. Why? Because what is he saying? We are not, we, we are not compared to our forefathers. So true, he's including other people. But he's including himself in the group. And since he's including himself in the group, so he is going on a serious nefesh. Now you can't say that he's being humble. Why? Because when you, you, someone's humble, it has to have some kind of like, you know, don't like, you, know, you don't have to exaggerate. But to say that he had no mysterious nefesh, that's not humility, that's a false statement. Humility means that you're toning down what you're doing. But you can't deny it, you can't make a flat denial to it. So that's a few ideas we have to understand. Now that it goes further, he says like this. Besides the questions that the that the that the that the, that the um, on, on the on the talk that the free Rebbe gave, the Rebbe asks as follows: Let's look at the verse itself. What does it say in the verse? Yehi Hashem aleikenu imanu. Hashem should be what with us. Now, what are we saying? Hashem aleikenu. What does Hashem aleikenu mean? Hashem, the infinite God, aleikenu is our God. And what does it, what does it mean? Our God. So. First of all, it means it's our God. But how does this translate what it means is our God? Elekeinu means koicheinu. Our power and our vitality that we have comes from Hashem. So think about it. What does Elekeinu mean? The fact that we exist comes from Hashem. So if, if we, we existing because of Hashem, so Hashem is with us. So why are we asking, Hashem Elekeinu imanu? If it's Elekeinu, if you're recognizing that Hashem is who we are and gives us our vitality, what, the, what does this mean, Imanu? Hashem is obviously with us. That's question number one. On the verse. Next, we have to understand. What are we saying? Hashem should be with us. Just like He was with the forefathers. So when you say Hashem should be with us, what does that mean? We are the main thing, and Hashem will be with us. The, our forefathers are the main thing, and Hashem was with them. And there gives an example, like for example, it says in the Talmud that uh, with, is, there's an inheritance um, that the, the people that are inheriting together with the husband, inherit together with, 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 with the father, that in other words, that the, the people that are inheriting with the husband are secondary to the ones that are inheriting with, with the actual father. So you see that the im when you say im, so im is the main. We are the main. Obviously, the main. Hashem is secondary. And what are we saying? Hashem should be with us, with the forefathers. That Hashem is secondary. Hashem is first. Hashem is primary. Okay. So now we have a lot of questions. So Rebbe is going to explain it with an introduction. He says as follows: Rebbe said it's known that uh, based on the verse in the prophets where it associates Yerushalayim. To be an awe of Hashem with the expression of an oitzer, a treasure. So the Rebbe asks, why is it that Yerushalayim, to be an awe of Hashem, is associated with the expression of a treasure? Oitzer she Yerushalayim, a treasure of being God-fearing. What's the connection? God-fearing is God-fearing. What's that do with, what's that do with the idea of a treasure? And he explains like this. Because just like in a treasure chest of the king, has a king have a has a king Philip's treasure chest? He collects taxes. He collects gifts from other people. In other words, the only way he has treasures is he gets from other people. The king didn't create all his treasures. He collects taxes. People give him gifts, and he makes a treasure. So, in other words, a treasure of a king is from other people. 
So the Rebbe says the same thing also. When it comes to Yira being an Ovashem, which is the treasure of the king of all kings, the treasure of Hashem, that doesn't come from Hashem. And as we know, everything the Chazal tell us, everything comes from Hashem, except being an Ovashem. Hashem creates everything. Hashem maintains everything. But to be an Ov Hashem, that comes from us. That's our gift to Hashem. Now, so the Rebbe says, one second. What are we saying? That we give the gift to Hashem. What's the gift? You as Hashem is a gift to Hashem. That's something that the king can't get on his own. Either we're in awe of him or we're not in awe of him. If we're in awe of him, guess what? He has people that are in awe of him. Shabbat goes a step further and says like this. If we're taking the theory or the reality that you as Hashem is something we give to Hashem. So why is it only, why is it only, why do we only use the expression when it comes to you as Hashem? The fact is, this that Hashem, so to speak, needs us, it doesn't apply only to you as Hashem, it applies to all the mitzvahs. Think about it. Hashem really doesn't need us, but could Hashem have people doing mitzvahs if we're not doing it? How could he? So technically, the mitzvah should also be called a treasure. But we don't find the mitzvahs are called a treasure. Only years Hashem. So Rabbi explains, because the fact is like this. You can do mitzvahs. You can check it off the list. All 613 commandments. 248 positive, the 365 negative commandments. But if you want the mitzvah to be a complete mitzvah, a full mitzvah, a Hebrew term, like it's supposed to be, the, the only way a mitzvah can be complete is if you love Hashem, Avas Hashem, and Yiras Hashem. So in other words, like this, you can do a mitzvah, and we do many mitzvahs, and we should do the mitzvahs, even if we're not inspired. But guess what? It's not a complete mitzvah. When does a mitzvah come complete? When you're in love with Hashem, you're in a relationship that you love Hashem, and you're in awe of Hashem, then the mitzvah becomes complete. Now, so a mitzvah on its own doesn't create a treasure. What creates the treasure is when there's Yiras Hashem. One second. But we said there's two things. There's love and awe. But there's a major difference between loving Hashem and being in awe of Hashem. What's the difference? The difference between love and awe. So how do we come to love Hashem? We love Hashem. How do we come to love Hashem? So love is inspired by a revelation from on high. In other words... Hashem does something great to us. What do we say? We love Him. What happens when Hashem is in hiding? We don't love Him. Love comes, so to speak, almost from the other person. Someone does great things to you. So you love the person. They don't do. The love is not on fire. Love is inspired by the other person. On the other hand, when it comes to being in awe of Hashem, how does that happen? That's something you, we choose through work to be in awe of something. So that's 100% our choice. And there is a simple example. We all know, if you have a king, a king of flesh and blood, a king in this world. Now, if you're part of that country, and this is your king, so you accepted upon yourself this person to be your king, and because you accepted this person to be your king, now you're in awe of the king, because it's your king. But let's say a king from a different country. You have nothing to do with him. Are you going to be in awe of that king? No. So if you will live in a certain country, you're in awe of your king. A person living in a different country is in awe of their king. 
But why? If the king of someone you should be in awe of, how come you're not in awe of all the kings? And how come? and the answer is because all comes from me. So the, the king, my king I'm in awe of. Someone that's not my king I'm not in awe of. So love, something that's beautiful, you love it. You don't have a choice. It's, it's just beautiful. All comes, Yerush Hashem comes from, from my part. I'm choosing to be in awe of this king. <clears throat> and it was like, we know, in, in, in reference to Hashem, accepting Hashem as a king doesn't come Hashem, can't, Hashem can't show, force you to be, to be, to be, to be, um, to, to, to be in awe of him. Kabbalah Samalchus, to accept the king, that comes from the people. As the verse says in the Torah clearly, Soim Tosim Alechem it doesn't say, okay, the king is going to be king over you. No. You have to appoint the king over yourself. Because to be an awe of a king, that you have to do. So based on this, the Rebbe explains powerfully, and he says like this. What does the verse say? Yehi Hashem Hashem should be imanu with us. Kasher like he was, imavisenu. So in other words, who's this, who's coming first? We're first. Imanu, we're first. And Hashem is our Hashem, he should be with us. Like Avaseinu, Hashem was an Avaseinu. Why? Because what does it say in Tanya? You have you have to be in awe of Hashem, and you have to love Hashem. What comes first? Yira or Ava? So the author writes in Tanya clearly that Yira Hashem, being in awe of Hashem, is the beginning, the beginning of the serving Hashem, the main part of serving Hashem, and the root of serving Hashem. So if you want to serve Hashem, Yira comes first. Being in awe comes first. And that's the beginning, that's the main, and that is the root of the serving Hashem. Afterwards comes Avas Hashem. Why? Because the main service that we do, our avoid, our work, is to accepting Hashem as a king. Now, so if that's the case, if we're doing the whole work, Imanu, it's all about us, so what, what do we need? Hashem Alekeinu, Hashem should be with us. And the answer is very simple, because the revelation of Hashem Alekeinu helps us and inspires us to be Imanu. So in other words, like this. When it comes to Yerush Hashem, that's something we do. And that's the main, that's the main avoidah. And that's why when it comes to Yerush Hashem, it's called the Oitzer of the king. Why? Because just like a treasure is stuff that other people give to the king, the same thing also, Yerush Hashem is something we give. We accept Hashem as the king. Avot Hashem comes afterwards. Mitzvahs come afterwards. And that's why specifically when it comes to Yerush Hashem, it says Oitzer. Because that's the part that we fully uh, engage and we fully do and it's tremendous work on our part. Now, so the question is, why is that? Why is Yerush Hashem specifically through our avoida, through our work? Why can't why can't we be inspired to be in awe Hashem? You know, we all want you know the easy route. Just like you know, we see something beautiful, we love it. Why can't we be in awe of Hashem just because we because of what we see Hashem? And Rebbe explains like this: the spiritual component and the makeup. Of Yira, the make of a being in awe is, here's the key word, and Rebbe explains, Yira is, what is Yira? Bittal. Bittal means less of me. Acceptance. So the more a person humbles himself, the more Yira. 
So bitul means I am humbling myself. Nobody can nobody can cause someone else to have humility. Humility comes from yourself. You meditate, you learn, and you realize, guess what? Hashem created the world, and we're very grateful. Who comes to that realization? That you come to on your own. So true avoidah, which is the avoidah of bittal, humbling yourself, that the only one can do is you. And because yira is really bittal, so yira has to be from us. And specifically, the Rebbe says, when it comes to being in awe of the king, like the verse says, Soim tosim alecha melech, we should put the king upon us. And the verse says, we should be in awe of Hashem. Who does the work? We do the work. In other words, like this. This that we're bottle, this that we're humbled, this that we accept, this that we're in awe, is the, that's the idea that we are the servant of the king. There's a part of us that we're the son of the king. That's not Yira. The part of us that we're an Evid. We're totally God's servant. We're ready to do whatever Hashem wants. We have no agenda. We have no plan. Whatever Hashem wants, like Avram said, I'm here. What is needed? Now, why are we compared to a servant then? Because the nature of a servant, a spiritual servant is, that the awe and the trepidation of his master is on him. And as you feel in awe and trepidation of your master. In other words, bittal, which is humility, and you're humbled of a servant, that's called the ultimate in humility. And there's obviously there's different levels of humility. You can be a little bit more and more, but the ultimate in, in bittal, the ultimate in acceptance, the ultimate is I'm ready to do whatever Hashem wants. That's represented by a true servant. So since Bittal comes from the person dedicating themselves to Hashem, being humble to Hashem, so therefore the only one can do it is us. The only one that can humble themselves is self. The only one that can realize that, wow, I'm an awe of Hashem, is only we can do that. Why? And they're explaining like this. Because any time there's an inspiration from above, like in love, wow, I love Hashem. Why do you love Hashem? Because Hashem inspired you. It's an inspiration from above. So any time there's a revelation from above, it's not real change. It's like putting on a suit, putting on a hat, putting on uh, jewelry. It's not you. It's external. So any time there's a revelation from above, it's not real change. It's external change. So therefore, when, when you're inspired from, from, from without outside, not from within, from without outside, like love, so the only thing that changes, I'll say it in Hebrew and I'll translate, is in your tzir, is in the image, but not the person. Any time there's an inspiration that causes change from without, and you can have real change, but it's only in the image. It's not the person that changed. The person doesn't change. When does the person change? That's when it comes from within. That's bittal will cause internal change. That's when the person himself changes. So in order for a person to have true bittal, true humility, true acceptance, true recognition and being in awe of Hashem, 
like the, the, the humility of a, of a servant. And it was like, we know, for example, the difference between someone that's free and someone that's a slave, it's not just in technically, this one's free and this one's a slave. No, no, no. It's not an external difference. It's in who they are. A free person is free, does whatever they want. A servant, his whole being is to take care of the master. How does that happen? You can't force someone to willing to serve Hashem. It doesn't work that way. You on your own have to decide. When a person decides and he accepts him upon himself to be the servant of Hashem, now you'll be the servant of Hashem. There's no inspiration in the world that can inspire someone to be the servant of Hashem. Yeah, you can be inspired but to, to do it. But the one that has to make the switch, the one that has to make to say, you know what, that's it. I'm accepting Hashem as my God and I'm willing to do anything. You know when that happens? When you, when you decide it. You can be inspired, you can go to classes, you can hear inspirational talks, you can listen to meditative music. It's all great. And will really create a beautiful atmosphere. And it will change the image. But to change who you are, that comes from within. When you decide, you know what, that's it. I'm ready to change my life. I'm ready to accept Hashem as my God. Then that's when change really starts. So therefore, Yiras Hashem, to be in awe of Hashem, comes from within. Comes from self. Because it's connected to Bittal. And Bittal only happens when the person on the, from within decides. And then you see real change. Then you're a new person. A, a br- total new person. You probably won't even recognize yourself. Because it's a new you. You change from within, not from externally. Now the Rebbe says, this idea of Bittal, where the person is transformed from within, like Yiras Hashem, is the same idea what happens when a person decides they're going to Messiris Nefesh. Messiris Nefesh means they're willing to give up their life to do the right thing for Hashem. Why? What is Messiris Nefesh? Messiris Nefesh means I'm willing to give up anything and everything for Hashem. What is that called in the world of, world of Kabbalah? Messiris Nefesh means Bittal, Bittachlis. You're totally willing to give up anything and everything. That's Messiris Nefesh. Totally willing to give up everything, anything and everything. And especially, and especially that Messiris Nefesh is connected to Bittal Bittachlis, is when a person decides he's willing to go and self-sacrifice on things that you don't have to give up your life for it. Torah doesn't say in certain areas you have to give up your life. When you decide, no, no, I'm willing to go whatever it takes. And by it doesn't mean only giving up your life physically. It could be giving up, let's say you wanted to do something right now. And you give up right now an hour instead of doing what you want. But instead you learn. Instead you pray. Instead you do a mitzvah. That's Messiris Nefesh. Because you're giving up. who? No one can force you to do that. You on your own deciding you want to do that. So Messiris Nefesh is connected to Bittal, connected to Yira. In other words, Messiris Nefesh, no one can inspire you to go on Messiris Nefesh. No inspiration will cause you to willing to sacrifice. It doesn't work. You know when you'll go on Messiris Nefesh? When you decide that you want to have a change in your life. Because any external inspiration will not cause you real change. Real change comes about when you decide from within you're ready to change. So based on this, Rebbe explains why the, reco- the, the, uh, the, the request and the prayer of the Balagula, which is the previous Rebbe, in his uh, talk, the famous talk in Gimel Tamas, on, on the verse where he said, Yehi Hashem Hashem should be with us, like he was with our, with our forefathers. 
<coughs> because he was talking about what? He was talking about the work of Mesir Snefesh. Self-sacrifice. And, and he was actually going on self-sacrifice in areas where he didn't have to go on self-sacrifice. And since self-sacrifice is what? The per, on, on his own he decided to go on self-sacrifice. Now obviously, Hashem Alekeinu inspires us to do it, for sure. So therefore, he, because it's all about self-sacrifice, therefore he started off in the verse, Yehi Hashem Alekeinu, right? Because we need Hashem to inspire us. Imanu, with us, means our self-sacrifice. Kashahayim Avaseinu, what's the connection of Avaseinu? Because they also went on self-sacrifice. Now, <clears throat> but still, the question now is: How do we how do we connect us with Hashem? Hashem should be with us. So, Rebbe explains like this: the expression of "im" with only really if there's some kind of connection and some kind of comparison. You can't say something totally abstract should be with something totally has no relationship. It's two things, one with the other, they're little different levels, and the goal is to get them together. There has to be some kind of comparison, they're not, com- they're not exactly connected, and the goal is to get them connected. Like the Rebbe brings from the verse in the Torah, it says, v'isyatsvu shomimach, that they're going to stand with you, and which means, imach, what do you mean with you? Your Moshe was on a different level than they are, but daimelach, compared to them. Now, even though it means they're not as great as Moshe Rabbeinu, but nevertheless, they have some kind of connection. So that's one, so that's one term. Im, when you say im, it means that there is some kind of connection, not fully, and the goal is to connect them. Okay. There's another term, which is also connection, which is called S. So when you say S, you means this, S this, it means it's it's not as important as the as as the other thing. Like for example, the, the verses in the Torah, Espesoroi. So what does it mean, Espesoroi? Es hatafel sorry. The main thing is that the basar, and this is what's connected to it. Now, but nevertheless, it has some kind of connection. Like, and the Rebbe brings another example where it says, "V'nasu itcha." They're going to carry with you. So itcha b'daymanach. Now. So again, so we have two terms, im and s. They both mean connecting two things that have some kind of connection, and obviously one is a little more more, more important than the other one. Now, there are brings that this brought down in, in, in books that deal with diktuk, that explain how to read certain words, how to how the translation, what it means, etc. That when you, ha- so you have two, two terms, s and im, which means that they're not a hundred percent, but and, but there is some kind of connection. But one is obviously further a gap. One expresses further away a gap, and one is a closer gap. So S is a further gap away, and M is actually closer. Now, <clears throat> so when you say S, so. There is a connection, but S is much further than, than the object you're talking about. When you say Im, obviously you're focusing that they are more connected. Now, so there is using this as an introduction to point out when the verse says, Yehi Hashem Imanu Im, with, 
That means when we're saying Yehi Hashem Alekenu, Hashem, the infinite Hashem should be Imanu with us. Not God forbid that Hashem is secondary to us, like the word S. S would mean Hashem is secondary. It means Hashem is on the same level. And there is a connection. There is a lot in common. What's the lot in common about what's the main and what's, so to speak, secondary, but not that it's totally far off like S. It means it's a much closer, it's not perfect, it's not complete, but it's much closer. I know it's like this. Never explains as follows. What is what we learned before? When is our avoidah complete? So we, so we learned before, you can do a mitzvah. It's great, it's wonderful, you did a mitzvah. When is it complete? When you have avas Hashem, it means you're inspired from above. But more importantly, when you have yiras Hashem. So a mitzvah is complete when you're doing the mitzvah. You're doing it because you love Hashem, which came from inspiration on high. And then when you're doing it, and actually first from yiras Hashem, you're in awe of Hashem. And that is that is the, that creates the avoidah where it's complete. In Hebrew, it's called avoidah bekoyach atzmoy. That when you did the work with your own energies, with your own initiative, with your own power. Now, so since what is the what is our complete avoidah when we do it bekoyach atzmoy? So therefore, you hear Hashem lekeno imanu. So, so to speak, Hashem is secondary to us. Why? Because who's doing the work? Imanu. We're doing the work. We're doing avoidah bekoyach atzmoy. We're doing Yeris Hashem. So Yi Hashem Alekeinu Imanu, even though it's obviously connected, but since we're doing the Avoidah, so we, so to speak, come in first, first, first base, so to speak, and Hashem comes following afterwards. Take it a step further, Rebbe says, that when is our Avoidah complete? And it was even the Avoidah that we do on our own, which is Yiris Hashem, or Mesiris Nefesh, right? We're going on Mesiris Nefesh. And even when we're going on a serious nefesh, we're willing to self-sacrifice, we don't have to. So it's huge. We're really stepping up to the plate. So here, you're just going to take it a step, a step, a step deeper. So there's no question doing it, avoida, bittel, yiris Hashem, a serious nefesh, even when you don't have to, it's amazing. You're doing your avoida. But why are you doing it? Why? Now we're going to go a step further. Why are you doing it? <clears throat> You can do it because I want to serve Hashem. I want to serve Hashem. That's one reason. But then there's another deeper reason why am I doing it. You know why I'm humbled to Hashem? You know why I have years Hashem? You know why I'm going on a serious nefesh? Because I am bottle lilikos. I'm totally humbled and I'm totally accepting Hashem on all levels. So because I'm, I'm bottled at the cost, almost like I don't exist, the I, the ego, the ego doesn't exist, then for sure, it's yours Hashem, Mesir Snefesh, even I don't have to, there's no me. There's no me. So Bittal brings it up a notch. Now, when a person is totally humble to Hashem, I'll say it in Hebrew, you're bottled at totally humble, you're totally willing to accept, and in Hebrew, it's called bittel betachlis. Totally, 100%, there's no ego whatsoever left. So what happens when a person is in a relationship with Hashem with zero ego, so therefore, automatically, every single mitzvah that you do, even when you don't have to go on a serious nefesh. So 
what happens is because you're totally humble to Hashem, you totally submitted yourself to Hashem, you totally bottle Hakadosh Baruch Hu. There's no mitzvah that you're not going to do. That's not possible that you're not going to do it. Even if you have to go to serious nefesh. So as the Rebbe is saying, it's like this. There's two components. This one is, we have years Hashem, we're doing the Avodah, Messias, Nefesh, etc. But the question is, why am I doing it? Am I doing it because I want to serve Hashem? My ego is serving, my ego is going to Messias, Nefesh, and that's possible. Or a higher level is, there's no me. And because there's no me, whatever needs to be done, I'm ready to do. It's not I'm going to Messias, Nefesh. Hashem runs the show. Whatever, whatever Hashem wants, we're doing. Whether we're interested, not interested, whether we have to go, whatever Hashem wants is happening. Now, to take it a step further, Rebbe says, Dad, when a person is totally bottled, when a person is totally accepting Hashem, and it's all about Hashem, it's, there's no ego there, what happens then is, when it comes to Messiris Nefesh, Messiris Nefesh is off the charts. It's much more powerful. Or Messiris Nefesh on, 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 ste- on steroids. Why? Because when a person is not necessarily bottled, you have the ego and you made a calculation, you want to serve Hashem. You know, you're in awe of Hashem, you're going to go on Messiris Nefesh. And you decided that you want to fulfill every commandment of Hashem. And even if you have to go Messiris Nefesh, I'm willing to do it. So because you're deciding, and it's great, but is it possible you can decide you don't want to go Messiris Nefesh? 100%. Since you decided, you can start, you all of a sudden change the middle, midstream, you can change. You know what, eh, too much, too much, too hard, I want to stop. Now, it doesn't mean you have to stop. You can in reality go in a serious snap, 100%. But it's possible you can stop when you're doing it on your own. However, when the mysterious nefesh is because you totally bottle like Kaddish Baruch Hu, it's not about you're choosing it. No, no. There's no me. There's no ego. What does Hashem want? He nani, I'm ready to do it. So therefore, when a person totally gives up their ego and who they are, so therefore, every single bit of Hashem, it's not possible not to do it. If you're choosing to go on a serious nefesh, or you're choosing, in theory, you can choose not to. But if you bottle that Kaddish Baruch, you're totally accepting Hashem. So what does that mean? It's not, it's not, it's, how can you go back on something? I don't exist. There's no me. It's all about Hashem. So you can never, you can't retract it. Whatever, if it's a mitzvah, Hashem needs us to do, we're doing it. So it's not possible to be any other way. It's not possible not to happen. It's a major difference. It's a fine difference, but a major difference. And as you can have two people going up a serious nefesh. One person decided they're willing to do anything for, for Hashem. But what happens? Could they stop at any point? 100%. On the other hand, you have someone who says, no, no, it's not about me. I am doing whatever Hashem wants. And obviously, whatever is needed, serious nefesh, whatever is needed. So is it possible to stop? No, because it's not, about, it's not about what they're doing. It's about they basically accepted Hashem as a king. They're willing to do whatever Hashem wants. So based on this, Rebbe explains what the verse says beautifully. Yehi Hashem imanu. Hashem should be with us like he was with our forefathers. Because what do you mean we like by the forefathers? And the Rebbe explains beautifully. Because when it came to the Avoidah, serving Hashem of the Avois, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, you have both of those components. On one hand, 
the Avais didn't receive the Torah yet. Their Torah was given later on Mount Sinai. But nevertheless, they kept the whole Torah. In other words, see, what do you see from there? Why did they keep the Torah? Because you see that they served Hashem, not because Hashem told them. There was no inspiration of do this, do that. There was no smokes and mirrors, Mount Sinai. It was before that. But they on their own chose it. So the first component is they chose to serve Hashem. But nevertheless, even though they chose, but it wasn't their ego that chose it. Second point now, that they chose, but they were also betachlis habitol. They were totally humbled for Hashem. How do we know that? Because we know it says, the others are considered like the chariot. What's a chariot? So if you have a horse and buggy, so you have a horse, and you have the chariot in the back. Now, the chariot, the carriage, is totally humbled to the rider. Not only totally what the chariot is choosing to humble himself, no. The chariot doesn't even have a choice. And as the chariot acceptance to the rider, not because the chariot's like, okay, oh, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and be, be your chariot. No. That he wants to humble himself. But the, no, what happened was the, the wagon driver took the chariot, hitched it on to the horse. Boom, he's driving. So as the others represent two things. One is they accepted, even those days that they avoid, they accepted. So it was their acceptance. But B, they were totally humble. They were totally accepting Hashem, not because they were inspired from above. Not because they were inspired. They, not because they chose. Hashem chose, and they followed. They totally gave themselves over to Hashem. Now, in Bittal, like we mentioned before, there's many, many levels. So because there's many, many levels, what do we pray to Hashem? Yehi Hashem imonu. Hashem should be with us. Kasher like he was with our forefathers. In other words, that Yehi Hashem imonu, Hashem should be with us. That our humility, our acceptance for Hashem, our Bittal to Hashem should be just like the Avisenu, which is basically the bittel, the acceptance of the Merkava. And as our prayer is, what kind of relationship we have with Hashem? That we want to be totally bottled Hashem, just like the Merkava, just like the Avais. That our Ratzain, our being is, shouldn't exist. The only want that we want is whatever Hashem wants. Now, based on this, Rebbe explains why the previous Rebbe said as follows. What did, he, what, what, what did the previous service say? Even though we don't compare it to the forefathers. And he explained, because they were a mysterious nefesh. And he included himself. That we, don't, that we, including himself, he was not in the level of the forefathers because they were a mysterious nefesh. What do you mean? But the previous was not a mysterious nefesh then. He gave up his life. Beforehand, he was going in exile now from a mysterious nefesh. Even the, the Rebbe mentioned the talk he was giving... Because Rebbe explains, because what's the greatest mysterious nefesh? What's real mysterious nefesh? That when mysterious nefesh is, not because you're choosing to go on mysterious nefesh, but mysterious nefesh is coming because you're bottle Hashem. It's all about Hashem, total acceptance. Now, since we learned before, in acceptance there's many levels. In bittle there's many levels. It's not like, boom, it uh, switches on or off. There's many, many levels of accepting, accepting. It's not about me, it's all about Hashem. There's many levels. So therefore, since there's many levels in Bittal, so therefore, the Rebbe says it's possible, 
out of humility, that he's lacking on the highest level, let's say, of bittal. So it's what we, the question we have, how can he, you can't say that, that he's not like, he did go on Messiris Nevis, and the answer yes, he went on Messiris Nevis, and he did have bittal. But it could be, he felt like he wasn't on the highest level. And whether he was or he wasn't, it could be he was saying it for humility, but he wasn't saying he has no bittal. He went on Messiris Nevis, and he has bittal, but he's not maybe on the level of the, of the, of the Avais. So based on this, Rebbe also explains why, why the Friedrich Rebbe said that the, 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 the request is, Yihi Hashem Alekeinim, and Hashem should be with us. And he added a promise that he's going to be with us. Vet Zayman, he's going to be with us. The verse says Hashem should be with us. So it's either he should, he, you know, you're requesting or you're making a promise. How can you, and, has, and it's two opposite terms. And Rebbe explains very powerful and he says as follows. A request is one thing. A promise is totally, totally two, is two separate things. Now, <clears throat> why is it two separate things? Because when you're praying, what does praying mean? I am praying, Hashem, please, I'm making a request. I'm making a request, Hashem should, Hashem should answer my prayers. That's my, it's my work. A prayer comes from me. Has a promise happened? I can't promise it's going to happen. Hashem can promise. So in other words, a prayer is coming from, from Milmata. It's a void of Adam, our work. And a promise comes Milmata from Hashem. Now, there is, even by a tzaddik, when a tzaddik has some kind of ego, at least on, you know, in a refined way, so then a prayer, which comes from here, from down below, and a promise is two separate things. Why? Because a, a promise of a tzaddik, how does a tzaddik promise? A tzaddik can't promise you something on his own. He's coming as a messenger from Hashem. A prayer of a tzaddik, that's the tzaddik's prayer. He's praying for you. So when a tzaddik prays for you, it means a tzaddik is praying for you. When he's giving you a promise, it's really not him talking. It's coming straight from on high. Now, so generally speaking, it's two different things. So how do you put the two together? Everything's like, it's very powerful. But when a tzaddik reaches the level that even his avoider, his avoider b'koyach atzmoy, yiris hasem, mesiris nefesh, bittel, which seemingly he's a metzias, he's a something, because you're doing your avoider. But when, you when the tzaddik is doing his avoider with ultimate bittel, ultimate acceptance, ultimate humility, so then what happens is, even the prayer, which is really him, but because he's infused with the ultimate humility, you also have a promise there also. And I was ever saying like this. Prayers from, from down here. It's me, Matthias. I'm praying. A promise is from on high. I'm a nobody. But when a, a tzaddik reaches a level where on one hand he's praying, but it's infused with 100% bittal, that means it's not him. He's a totally a vessel for Hashem. So you can have a prayer and a promise at the same time. And the Rebbe says he'd like to add as follows. Similar to this, that what? That the person exists, but the person is humbled. This powerful idea that you can have the op two opposites. On one hand, you exist, but your, ex your existence is humbled. That the Rebbe gave this and drew this, this powerful energy into people that are kusharim, people that are connected, and have some kind of relationship with the Rebbe. 
So by being connected to the Rebbe, by being Mekusha to the Rebbe, by being, you know, connected to the Rebbe, whether you're going to the oil, you're davening, you're praying, you're learning the Rebbe's Torah, you learn, you, you, you sing the Rebbe's Nagunim, however you're connected to the Rebbe, you listen to the Rebbe's Hayros, uh, whatever he instructs you to do, when you connect to the Rebbe, you can have both of those. On one hand, you're a per- person, that is basically doing your avodah, yiras Hashem, yiras nefesh. But on the other hand, you have the ultimate bittel, and you can have a praying and you can promise, a promise together. How did how did the how did the rebbeim how did the rebbe give this to us? When the rebbe infused within us yiras nefesh that we're willing to go and sac- sacrifice, even on areas where according to Jewish law you don't have to go and self sacrifice. And you're going on Mitzrayim's nefesh in a way that's not shy, that should be different. Why? Because you're going on Mitzrayim's nefesh because it's because your bottle of the it's all about Hashem. So therefore, the Rebbe says that the request of the previous Rebbe is also a promise. Is not only from on high with the, the previous Rebbe made a request and a promise, but it's also from us. That we can accept and, and and connect to the to the to the prayer and to the promise, and the Rebbe finishes off powerfully, and he says it should be fulfill the promise again, the promise, the prayer, and the promise of Yehi Hashem Aleikenu Imanu, that Hashem should be with us, and as we're going to do our avoda Imanu, we're going to do our avoda Mesiris Nefesh Yiras Hashem. And Hashem is going to be with us. Hashem is going to give us the inspiration to do it. Like He was with our forefathers. And we're going to have the true bittel, the true acceptance. And Hashem will never forsake us, never be disconnected from us. And what will happen is, for all the Jewish people, we're going to have light in our life, the real light. But what kind of light? They're explaining this. He says, we're going to have the real light. Spiritual light, the light of Torah, the light of mitzvah, the light of prayer, the light of Hashem, and Bagashmias in the physical world where all the lights are going to be on. We're going to see clarity and all the greatest blessings. So, as we're learning this Mimer in honor of Gimel Tamas, let's hope and pray that we stay connected, as the Rebbe mentioned before, Makusha to the Rebbe, so we, we can be connected to the most powerful light of having the prayer and the promise of, on one hand, we're doing our Avoidah, but on the other hand, we're totally Batalulakus. And this way we'll be able to receive and be connected to the real light. And as the Rebbe says, the light, Baruchnius and Bagashnius. Have a great and blessed week. Thanks for joining us for our class on Chassidus.